Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. How many know God's word is good, amen, and it never changes? So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, God, that you're doing a new thing. You're doing an amazing thing in our lives. We thank you that we have the honor to be called your children. And everybody said? Amen. 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 And um, I would say if you're here in this place today, um, you want a deeper relationship with God. You're not just here for the, you know, the good of your health. You love the Lord. You want to grow in the Lord. You want to do new things for God. And so we want to be closer to God. And uh, I, I think that if we can go back to the scripture, sometimes we read things over so quickly, we miss key elements there. And I want to bring us to a scripture in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. How many want to be closer to God? Let me see your hand. Okay. A few of you. We'll have an altar call later. Uh, for those of you who didn't, no, I'm just kidding. It says here, the high and lofty one who sits in eternity, the holy one says this. This is what God says. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. See, God wants humility, and so the enemy wants, to, wants us to have pride in our life. Because pride will keep us from living in the presence of God. Okay? God says, I restore the crushed spirits of the humble, and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. If you need courage in your life to face tomorrow, if you need courage to go to the next thing God has for you, you need to have a repentant heart. You have to have a heart that comes before God and says, Lord, here I am. Right? I need you. And I think it's important because if God lives with those who have contrite and humble hearts, guess what? I want to be humble. I want to know what humility is. I want to be humble. The word contrite means, here's the thing, contrite means feeling very sorry and guilty for something bad that has been done. Okay? Feeling guilty for something you did wrong is actually a good thing. That means that that God is with you. God's speaking to you. That's not, that's not a bad thing. Like if you do something wrong, if you, I shouldn't have done that. That means the Holy Spirit is there trying to woo you into a place of repentance so that God can dwell close to you. That's a good sign. And so here's the thing. Conviction, or having contrite heart, says I've done something wrong. So in other words... Conviction or having a contrite heart is really, there, there's a, a confrontation on your behavior. How many know that if you have kids, sometimes your kids need some confrontation on their behavior, right? They just need to be told, get it together, you're not acting right, and you need to confront them on what they're doing. Why? Because we love them, right? So, so say conviction confronts behavior. So here's the other thing here. There's, there's also condemnation. So conviction is from God, but condemnation is from the devil. Condemnation says, I am something wrong. So when conviction, what it does is it confronts your behavior. Condemnation actually confronts your identity. And and I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, it says that I am a son. And if you're a girl, you're a daughter of God. We've been adopted. God loves us. He has a plan for our life. And when you start to have feelings like, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm a terrible person, it's, a, it's confronting your identity, not your behavior. And so what we've had is we've, 
in the movement of the church, some, some denominations and flows, streams of Christianity have started to throw away conviction as if it's the same thing as condemnation, and it really isn't, because without conviction, there's no contriteness of heart, there's no brokenness, a need of repentance, so God can't live with you. Amen? And so, what happens when we mess up? Because we're going to mess up. I mess up sometimes. Well, the Bible tells me here, it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us then with confidence, say confidence, let's draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace, um, grace in time of need, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Okay, we, we can confidently go to God when we mess up, right? When God speaks to us, we can go to him because he loves us. But we need to understand, and here's a little picture that we looked at this weekend, I want to show you uh, what happens. Here's a picture of your life. So this is you. Okay. And here is the promise. That God, this is you living in the promise that God has for your life. So here you're really happy because you're going to get the blessing. And here you're really sad because you want to get to the promise, right? And how many know that God's word is filled with promises, right? God's word is filled with promises, and he wants us to, to live in the promise that he has for us, okay? But um, there's a process. Say there's a process. And, and the promise of God, okay, and maybe you've received a prophetic word or you feel in your heart you're burning to do a certain thing. You feel God's called you to do something. So the promise is not the will of God for your life. It's the blessing. The will of God for your life is obedience, right? And it's kind of like, so if my kids came to me and said, dad's that starts telling you guys, my dad's taking me to ice cream. That's, that's the, the promise. He's taking me for ice cream. That's not a promise. Or no, they say, oh, that's, that's the will. The will of my father is to take me for ice cream. No, the will of the father being me, would be, if you clean your room and you behave well, then I'm going to take you for ice cream. So how many know there's a process to get to the promise? So many times when, when God gives us a promise, he begins to take us on a process. And the process looks like this. You see? And it's like we're going in all these directions because what God is doing is God is taking us through the wilderness to prepare us to handle the promise. Because there's issues in our life. So we're, we're going all the way through. And it's, it doesn't mean you have to go through terrible things and sickness and disease. How many know some attacks are not from God, right? They're, they're, no attacks are from God. They're all from the enemy. But God still takes us through a trying period because he's trying to purge us of pride. He's trying to get that out of our life. And so we go in the process. And then here we continue. Does anybody know what that is? That's the footsteps in the sand. That's where Jesus carries us, right? How many of you heard the poem? And then, do you know what that is? That's butt print in the sand. That's where God drops us because we're complaining too much. <laughs> God, why aren't you helping me? And he's barely trying to carry us, so he leaves us in the sand, okay? And then we continue, and we're going, and we're trying to get to this process. We're trying to get to the promise, but God has to bring us through the process to prepare us for the promise. Because if He gives us the promise in the condition that we're in, guess what? We're going to lose it. We're going to fall. We're going to blow up. We're going to make mistakes. 
because we can't handle the blessing unless we go through the process. Does that make sense? Okay? And so the, 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 the will of God is the process of obedience to God, and the, process, and the promise is the reward for being obedient in the process. Amen? The promise is the reward. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commandments. Now, the promise to the Israelites, to the Hebrews, were that they were going to possess homes they never built, vineyards they never planted, all of the property that was supposed to be theirs, that the enemy stole from them. God says, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you the promise. But God had to take them through a process of character to prepare them so that they could handle it. Right? And God takes, here's the thing, God takes us through wilderness sometimes to humble us to refine our character. And I, I love the, the life of Joseph. How many know Joseph? In Genesis chapter 37, uh, verse 2. I'm just going to look that up for a second. Oh, you have it there. Okay. It says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked uh, for his half-brothers, the son of his father's wives, Belial and Zelpah, uh, if I said that right. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. He was a tattletaler. Has anyone got a sibling that was always ratting you out? Like it says, he was just reporting, you, you know, my brothers are doing this, my brothers are doing that, they're getting in trouble. They, he was just kind of like always provoking, right? And, um, and let's, let's move on in the passage here, verse 3. And Jacob loved Joseph more than any of the other children because Joseph had been born in his old age. And so one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, and he gave him the beautiful robe. Let's go to the next verse. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word about him. And if we read on in the passage, you'll see that he has a dream. And God gives him this dream that the brothers and the father are going to bow down to him. And he's going to be a great ruler. We don't have time to get into the whole story, but you've probably heard it. And he has this great story. Yeah, I had this dream, and you guys are going to worship me, and I'm going to be the ruler over you guys. And he begins, and the father rebukes him and says, this is ridiculous. And the brothers, and they hate him even more. But how many know that was a dream from God? And God wanted to bring Joseph to that place, but he had to take him through a process. And it wasn't a fun process, because what happens is Joseph, he actually... Uh, has his, his coat stolen. Uh, his brothers, when he goes to bring them lunch, they, they throw him in a well, right? He becomes a servant in Potiphar's house because he's sold into slavery. He gets accused of trying to rape his boss's wife, gets thrown in prison for a couple years, and he actually, in the place of being in prison, he actually uses his gift that God gave him to try to help somebody, and then they forget about him. He interprets a dream. They forget about him. And then a few more years go by and they, someone, oh, yeah, remember Joseph. Because pa, the, the, the Pharaoh has a, he has a dream. So now they go, we know someone who can interpret dreams. But there was this long process for Joseph to go through to prepare him, to humble him, so that he could lead the nation. 
And nobody loves this. But it's through this that God walks with us. God never abandoned Joseph. Everywhere Joseph went, Joseph had favor of the Lord. They saw the hand of God on his life. Joseph would have loved to go right from here to here, but there's no shortcuts in the kingdom. And sometimes this line, it doesn't look like this. Sometimes it looks a little bit like this, but it's never straight. And if it looks like this, it's because you have chosen to work with God and be obedient to God and make those adjustments. I want to hear what I'm saying this morning. Okay? Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, it says, You need to persevere. Okay? Patience, endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. You have to be patient, you have to persevere. That's not talking about just waiting around. Being patient means you're, you're striving a little bit. You're like, I'm holding on, but God wants me to be obedient. And you be obedient. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Say then. When, when you continue in God's will, then you receive the promise. How many see this? This is, this is really key in scripture. Um, did you get, to get those PowerPoints up? All right, here's, here's a couple quotes. Humility is a great and most essential thing in true religion. The whole frame of the gospel, everything appertaining to the new covenant and all God's dispensations towards fallen men are calculated to bring to pass this effect, humility, in the hearts of men. They that are destitute of this have no true religion. This is Jonathan Edwards, who was responsible for for the Great Awakening. See, God wants humility in the hearts of his children. Here's another, another quote. This is by Andrew Murray. Humility is the only soil in which the virtues of grace may grow. The lack of humility is the sufficient explanation of every defect and failure. Humility is not so much a grace of virtue along with others. It is the root of all because it alone takes the right attitude before God and allows him as God to do all. Okay. So here, here's the thing. Humility is not a fruit of the Spirit. So we think of goodness, kindness, faithfulness, right, love. What are the other ones? I got them out of order, so I forgot the rhyme now. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the, the, humility is not the fruit. Humility is the root. And if you don't have humility, you can't have the character of God flowing through you because Jesus, who was in the form of God, did not consider it, you know, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the, the form of a bondservant and came and humbled himself even to the point of death. He learned, oh, he learned obedience through his suffering, it says. How many want to be like Jesus, right? So humility is not the fruit of the Spirit. Humility is the root, okay? But what is humility? Humility is knowing who you are. That's what it is. Humility is knowing who you are. Humility is make the right estimation of yourself, is what Charles Spurgeon said. Here's, here's the thing. When you became a Christian, when you become a Christian, you come to a true realization of who you are. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. 
The scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory. So you have to look at yourself and say, okay, not who I think I am or who I want people to think I am, but who I truly am. And we come into salvation that way because I have sinned against God. I need to ask him to forgive me and I need to receive him as my savior. And we enter through the doorway of humility. But you know what? As we, as we grow in Christ, there's a process called sanctification. So our identity is we're sons and daughters, but we're in a process where God is purging us. So in the same way you, you come to a realization of who you are without Christ, you have to realize who you are. Even in Christ, God might put his finger on something and say, you got an issue here in your life and you need to deal with it. And we can humble ourselves like when we got saved and we can say, you know what, God, you're right. Or we can say, it's her fault. That's why I'm the way I am. It's his fault, you know. Or we backbite or we gossip. Or we do something to kind of try to, you know, promote ourselves. We're trying to, we have ambition in life and we want to do something. Every time you see the word ambition in the Bible, there's selfish in front of it. Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. But we have to be like servants. Amen? That's where the freedom is. So, so here, here's what happens. Okay. So humility, say humility, humility is knowing who you are. What is pride? Pride is having a false idea of who you are. And I don't have time to get into all the scriptures, but those who have pride, the Bible says pride is deceitful. And, and we all have a measure of pride in our lives until we, until we get to heaven. We're always going to have a little bit of pride in our lives, right? But when you have pride, have you ever known someone who you're like, they're full of themselves? but they don't see it themselves, right? Oh, no, I'm not full of myself. Okay, but, but they are, right? And, and you see that in people's lives. And, and the Bible says that when you, when you can be deceived by pride, okay? And so pride is a false idea of who you are. And this is what Lucifer, Lucifer had a false idea of who he was. Let's look at the passage here in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 17. God is speaking about Lucifer. He says, your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. So, so it wasn't, you see, it wasn't bad things that Lucifer did. It was the blessings of God that caused pride to come in his life. So you're saying, God, I want to have the anointing on my life. I want, I want to have this great position. I want to be a CEO of a company. I want to do this for you. I want to be a, a great man, a woman of God. I want the blessings on my life. But if you get the blessing... It's the blessing that can cause you to fall because it was the beauty that God gave him that caused pride to be birthed. That's why, you know, we say, God, send revival, send revival, send revival. And he says, if I sent revival, it would kill the church. Unless we're willing to say, God, not my will, but yours, and be willing to go through the process and allow God to deal with our hearts. So when the glory does come, we'll give him all the glory. Does this make sense to anybody? Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. And I've seen that in ministry. I've seen people climb the ladder in ministry, and they have great big ministries, 
And then they, and you say, oh, you see, oh, another minister fell into adultery. Another minister now is doing this. We see it all over the news. We think they were, they were false ministers. No, they were really, God had given them a, God had anointed them, but they, they, they hijacked the process and decided, I'm going to go here my own way through selfish ambition. And they couldn't handle it when God gave it to them. So God threw him to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. The blessing of God, the beauty and splendor that God gave, Lucifer corrupted him, and Lucifer rebelled because of his pride. I'll give you another biblical example here uh, of a king named Uzziah. Uzziah. And I, here in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 3 to 5, it says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. You know, uh, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jechaliah from Jerusalem. Okay? He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. He did what was pleasing. He started right. You see that? Okay, let's go to the next verse. Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who taught him to fear God. And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. God wants you to be blessed. Now let's go to the next verse. Well, if I gave him the next verse, but Second Chronicles twenty six sixteen, it says this. But when he had become powerful, say powerful, Uzziah became powerful because of the blessing of God. He also became proud. And you might think that could never happen to me, but unless you allow God to do a deep work of humility in you, you can become pride. And so he became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord his God by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burned incense on the incense altar. This was a job reserved for the priests, and he said, I'm good enough. I'm as good as a priest. God's blessed me. I'm going to just step and do something. And he moved out of his place, and it was pride. And he fell. He started right, but because of power, his pride destroyed him. There's no shortcuts to the promises of God. And then we look at the life of Jesus. How many know the life of Jesus? You know, and again, humility is it's not always it's not a negative thing. This isn't like, you know, you're gonna get sick and you're gonna have all kinds of issues and life's gonna suck. It's just the process of crossroads. It's not a familiar, where, where you're going down the road and, and all of a sudden you're at a crossroads. You have to decide, am I going to go and, and, and Google search things I, sh you know, the wrong things? Or am I going to go this way? And you're going, i got to make a choice. And you have to make that decision. And, and that's the Lord guiding you into a crossroads. So you say, okay, God, I'm going to choose to obey you. The word says, I'm not to put anything in front of my eyes. That I'm not going to fornicate. I'm, I'm, you go down this road. And you reject that road. And it's painful at first. But as you're obedient and you follow the Spirit, walk after the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of your flesh. And you're going to get to all these crossroads. And you're saying, I don't like this, God. I want to go directly to the promise. And God says, no, you need character. You have to learn to walk after my Spirit. How many hear what I'm saying? And so we look at the ministry of Jesus. So Jesus was born. Here's the promise. Think about this. And all these prophecies about Jesus being born, he's born in Bethlehem, and the shepherds come, and the wise men come, and everybody's talking about Jesus. The, 
you know, he hears the promise that has been delivered to the earth. And then Lucifer finds out about it, and he's really upset. So he speaks to Herod's ear. He says, you need to kill all of the, the, the newborn babies under the age of two. And so there was a mass slaughter. And, and as you know, you know, Gabriel came and spoke into Joseph's ear and said, take the baby and leave. And so all these babies were slaughtered. So the devil thought, okay, we killed, we killed the Messiah. But for 30 years, what happens is Jesus is, is going through this process and he's brought in here behind the board. Nobody can see him and he's going through a journey of wilderness where God's preparing him for three years of ministry. Isn't that awesome? And, and the Bible says he had to learn obedience. And so when he was in the temple, he wasn't teaching them. He was asking questions. Remember when, when he was lost in the temple? He was asking questions to the, the high priest. Tell me, what does this scripture mean? What does this mean? And he was learning because he had to fill his mind with the word of God. And so, so he's going through all this. And then he comes back out. Back up here. He's 30 years old. And now he's going to get water baptized. Let's look what happens. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descend on him like a dove and aligned to him. And a voice came from heaven. This is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. So here, here's, your, here's your identity. God is well pleased with you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. That's what Jesus heard. He came out of the water. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then suddenly, the Holy Spirit leads him back into the wilderness. Like, how fun is that, right? So we see that. Let's read that here. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to what? To be tempted there by the devil. How many love, this is good preaching. Who wants to live like Jesus, okay? So now he's, he's being tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. He became very hungry. And, and, um, and, and could you imagine, like, how many, no, like, we fast because we want to see God. We want to have an encounter with God. He fasts for 40 days and then the devil shows up. How would you like that? I want to get closer to God. And the devil shows up to tempt him after 40 days of fasting. And it says here, during that time, the devil came and said to him, and here's, here's the key. Remember, humility is knowing your identity, right? So Satan comes to attack. That's, that's what he wants to attack. And he comes to Jesus in his weakest, weakest point, And he says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And he, he, he says, prove that you're really the son of God. And that's what this looks like. As you're going through this here, you're going to hear voices and the enemy's going to come and say, you're not really the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God doesn't really love you. You don't really have a promise. But as you submit to the will of God and you continue to walk in the wilderness and walk through the process, God will bring you to the promise. And it will be fulfilled. Amen? We need to know that we're loved and adopted by God but we also need to learn obedience through humility. We have to make the decisions that we have to make. And if God gives the promise without the process, it will destroy you. 
It really will. And there's a process. You know, like even, even in the, like people say, we have itching ears sometimes. We want, we want to hear a fairy tale, like, message about, you know, and it's just not true. It's not reality. Like, I'm sorry, but if someone walked into the, the hospital and I'm about to get surgery, and they said, you know, I've never been to medical school. I have a gift from God. I'd be like, excuse me, but I want another doctor right away, please. Right? And how many know we got to go through the school of the Spirit? God wants to bring us on a journey to train us to be like him. And we can't say, forget that. I'm just going to go right to the promise. The Bible says this and this about me, so I'm just going to go there without allowing God to do a work in the school of the Spirit. And we have to be willing for that, amen, to allow God to do that. And so what happens in this time is that this is the place where we worship, in these valleys and in these times where we're going through our journey of obedience to God. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as we praise God, when we choose at the crossroads of decision, God, doesn't matter what situation I'm going through, I choose to humble myself and worship you. God will begin to pull us out of that place and bring us to our promised land. Amen? And so, David, I'm going to have you come to the piano. Sure. This is awesome. We're, as you know, we're just coming back from a conference, and this is Travis is sharing with you a nugget of what we got about, and it, this is so good. I just, because I, I preach that you started out with a conviction versus condemnation, because one of the little nuggets, just a quick little testimony we got that I want to share with you, because it helped me. We're always learning. And they had a panel, and there was some pastors who were seasoned, and they were just sharing, and they had question and answer time. And um, one of these worship leaders, he got a question like, what about if you, you know, we're not, none of us are perfect. So let's say we're going in the car on the way to church. We're having an argument, or maybe we argued with our children, or we just realize we just don't, you know, we're not holy before God. And so then you go up to worship. Like, how do you handle that? How do you posture yourself? Because that can be reality sometimes. We know firsthand. <laughs> and so he said, well, yeah, but God is always worthy. I might not be worthy, but he is always worthy to be praised. And I thought, isn't that good? And isn't that so true? Like, even if we as a church could get that revelation alone, when we're going into our worship time, because <clears throat> I don't know about you, but there's so many times I come in and I'm about to worship, and I come from all the hustle and bustle trying to get things ready and get the kids out the door, and I'm irritated about something or whatever, and then I, the enemy starts talking. You are not really worthy to worship. You're faking it. You're a hypocrite. All these stupid things, and the condemnation comes. But it helped me because, like he said, no, I'm not worthy, but he is. He is worthy to be praised anyways. So if we can have that revelation alone, I think we could enter into another level of per, a worship. Because, and that's what he said, like, it's our identity. So humility is about the identity. If we know, you know, like when the devil comes with all these things, he's going to say, you're not really acting like a daughter of God, or like a son of God, or a man, whatever it is that you are. But it's not, our identity is not in our position, what we're called to be or do, or anything like that. But to come and say, you know what, I'm a son and a daughter of God. Like, think about your own, if you're parents with a little child, and if they do something wrong, you've had that, you know, my children were like, you hate me. Like, no, I don't hate you. You're my child. But because I love you, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to correct you, you know. And it's like, so my identity, we have to remember identity as God comes to chastise us or take us through all these processes. And just, I remember in Bible school when 
they were saying that, you know, your gifting and your talents can take you to your destiny, but it's the character of God that's going to keep you in your destiny. So just, I just want to encourage you, worship with boldness. Come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace because you are a son or daughter of God if you've given your heart to the Lord. And if you haven't, do that. But don't let the devil, that's why we're doing high with a wholeness because we want to learn to discern the voice of the enemy and the voice of God. So I just want to encourage you with that. Yeah, and so it's, it's, it's about identity, knowing who you are. And I love this, Paul the Apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he said, sometimes, you know, the things I don't want to do, I do anyway, and the things I'm supposed to do, I don't do. And he goes, who's going to deliver me from this stupid body of death? And he goes, but thank God that I can walk in the Spirit. And, you know, so here's the, the leader of the church saying, sometimes I struggle, and that's okay, but his identity was in, he was a son of God, he was a child of God, and he could come to the... So when I share this about humility, it's not to say... You know, God's trying to press you down, but God's trying to build character in us through the process. Amen? And sometimes it feels like we're going backwards, but it's only because God's about to launch us forward. Isn't that good? So why don't we stand? And what I want to do is I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to do uh, a worship. I think the worship team was coming up. We're going to do a worship song to close this. And just before I do that, if we could all just bow our heads for a moment, I'm going to pray. Father, God, if there's anybody in this place that doesn't know you, Lord, as their Savior, God, my cry to you today, God, is that you would begin to just, and I know you're already doing it, work on their hearts. Draw them to yourself today, God, because it's your desire that none would perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if you're in this place and you don't know the Lord, and you want to know him. I'm not going to call you to the front, but with every head bowed, I want to just see your slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Is there anybody in this place you don't know Jesus? You don't know if you're in the right place? Okay, Father, we pray, Lord, right now for every person. God, I pray that this word would go deep into their hearts. They'd realize that a loving father, as a loving father, you're taking us through the process to prepare us for the promise. And I thank you this week, God. We choose to humble ourselves and say, Lord, we want to see ourselves as we truly are, as sons and daughters, but we also want to see the areas in us that you want to change, and we want to change them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.